Happy New Year. While everyone wishes the New Year to be happy, I want to wish you a deeper Happy New Year. The Greek language has two words for new. The common word for new is a neos, or neos, which means a new in the chronological sense. So from neos, we have English words like neo-Nazi, neophyte, neonato, etc. Whereas neos means more recent, new of the same kind, kainos is the other word, and kainos is a new in kind or different kind. New never existed before. So for instance, when Jesus said in Revelation 21 that I'll make everything new, the word new is not neos, it's kainos, qualitatively different new. New heaven and new earth is kainos. So when Jesus returns, he will make the old creation new and perfect, kainos. I wish you happy kainos year. And the new year, that will be different from our past in quality and joy, not just another wishful new year, but a wonderful new year. Amen? With that in mind, let's read our text today, That's the, uh, which comes from Colossians chapter 4. And uh, I, we did a Colossians study last fall, and some of you asked me whether I'm skipping chapter 4. No, I saved one of the best texts for the last so let's read Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to uh, 18, responsively. So I'm going to read first, and you read the following verse. Devote yourself to prayers, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward the outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with the salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the, expre for the express purpose that he may know you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, that will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called the justice, who also send greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have provided a comfort to me. Epaphros, who is one of you and the servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in our house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of our Laodiceans and that you in turn read a letter from Laodiceans. 
hierarchipus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. That means it's a signing off. Remember my chains, and grace be with you. Flowers fall, but the water of God endures forever. A poet said, an end is just another new beginning. Paul's closing words in Colossians render great wisdom for us to live new year more faithfully and fruitfully. In this passage, I see three principles of a faithful and fruitful life. And if we practice them, we will also live an encouraging, lasting legacy like Paul in 2023. First principle of a lasting legacy is a concerted prayers. Concerted prayers. Paul said in verse 2, devote yourself to prayers being watchful and thankful. You know, most of times, Paul's letters begin with the prayers and they end with the prayers. So prayers is a bookend of his letters, or technical term is inclusio, inclusio. In a similar final greeting from Ephesians, Paul explains his command to pray in this way. So Ephesians 6.18 said, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The key word here is all. All occasion, all kinds of prayers, all the Lord's people, and even always. I want you to know there are many ways to pray. Regular prayers, emergency, spontaneous prayers, and uh, uh, ritual prayers like a mealtime prayer or formal prayers, just like we pray together with the Hayun today. I do regular prayers at, at my so-called uh, prayer chairs and also at my work desk and during my daily, work, uh, daily walking. And then occasionally I do uh, a little long mealtime prayer if I remember some uh, recent urgent prayer requests. So, I just want to tell you, many people have a problem with the prayers because they think a prayer is too, is too formal. You know, in order to pray, you need to kneel, you need to gather your hand, or you have to, you know, whatever. Too, you know, involve too much. Let me tell you, the best way and best time to pray, whenever you remember God, during the day, that's the time to pray. If you remember God's in your need, if you remember God's blessing in your joy, whatever you remember, you remember somebody who is in great need, just pray to God. Whenever you are aware of God's presence or his need, I mean, you know, you need his help, that's the best time to pray. Here, notice in Colossians that when Paul urged them to devote themselves to prayer, Paul didn't simply say, pray a lot, or just do it, or just pray. Paul told us, pray being watchful. Being watchful means guarding. What do we guard about our prayer? The most important element of our prayer is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's the you know, next verse, the being watchful and thankful. You know, gratitude is a number one response 
our number one response to God's grace. Whenever and whatever we pray, we must begin with a gratitude. Why is it gratitude and the first and the foremost element of a prayer that we need to guard and watch over? It is because we are praying to God who is committed to us as a heavenly father. Amen? You know, person that we are praying to is not just another God or supreme being. He is almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, and who wants to be our father. So if a, such a great person is your father, committed to be your father, by all means, when you come, you come with a gratitude. And first thing we give is thanks to God. That's what Paul said earlier in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So every prayer I do, I try to begin with gratitude and aim at God's glory. Prayer begins with gratitude and the aims at God's glory. No matter how sad and difficult the requests and needs are, I try to see God's grace in that situation. And the Holy Spirit always helps me find God's grace. And with God's grace, there is always gratitude. So let me ask you, what is the worst possible thing can happen to children of God? You know, last year I heard the friends of our member who's a husband and uh, 10 years old, the last son, was hit by a drunken driver, and son died. And the husband has to go through massive uh, emergency surgery. You know, even times like that, even in times of a premature, unexpected, sudden death, we can find God's grace. What grace? Grace called the hope of resurrection and reunion. Amen? That's why I could officiate the funerals of babies and young people. In 2023, let's increase our prayer devotions with a deeper and wider gratitude for the higher glory of God. Amen? Second principle of a faithful and fruitful life is closely connected to the intercessory prayer, to this intercessory prayer. Paul gives a concrete uh, clarity to what he wants them to pray for him. Look at the verse 3. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward the outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, notice here the Apostle Paul asked for open door, not for himself, but for the gospel. This expression of a Paul for evangelism reveals his profound desire and also touches my heart. He said, ask God to open the door for gospel for me to preach. At this time when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. As he said, as he said in the final verse there, remember me, remember my chains. 
What is a dream of every prisoner? Every prisoner's dream was one day his prison door is opened and is released. By the way, when Paul said, you know, remember my chains, he's not talking metaphorically. Literally, he was chained. He was, you know, chained. Here, Paul wanted to open the door for gospel message. More than his own physical freedom and civil liberty, Paul wanted spiritual freedom and eternal salvation of others, including the Gentiles. You know, in fact, Paul never stopped evangelizing even in prison, even in his imprisonment. So later in the letter, we saw a fruit of his prison ministry named Onesimus. Onesimus. Notice again here how Paul, you know, saw his conviction for sharing the gospel. Paul said, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Paul called gospel of Christ God's mystery. For Apostle Paul, gospel is not just saving some individuals to heaven, but participating in ultimate will of God. You know, mystery is a more than just a secret. You know, some of you heard my, you know, uh, uh, my sermons before. Mystery back then was a loaded term because there are many religions called the mystery religions to attract the people with all kinds of spiritual, aesthetic, you know, experience, aesthetic experience and the secrecy. You know, when Paul said about mystery, he means this. This is our original plan of God before the foundation of the world. This is something God planned before he created everything and human beings. And what's the God's plan of, you know, ultimate plan of history? God of universe wants to create humanity where people accept one another with a God's love. God wanted to create a universal humanity. You know, universe is a compound word of unis, you know, unity and diversity, right? That's the universe. You know, universe means a different, you know, diverse things out together. That's the universe. God, who created a you know, universe, that means a diverse things with a physical theory, you know, physical power of gravity, whatever, to unite it together, create, wanted to create humanity where diversity will not jeopardize unity, but come together. Paul said Ephesians 2. That is a new humanity. In Christ, Jews and Gentiles can, can call each other brothers and sisters, and then we can be one and love each other as God commanded us. That is the gospel that Paul is talking about. And I want to tell you today, gospel is the answer to all the world's problems. Political, economical, social, racial, you name it. Your problem, answer to you, all your problem, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel is not just a proselyting, somebody making a Christian. It's far more than that. Gospel is a leading individual to see how wonderfully and fearfully they are made in the image of God and what an excessive price that God's Son paid to redeem you and forgive your sin through his blood, and gave you eternal life through the resurrection. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the mystery of God. And through that gospel, we become a new creation, kinos creation. 
that changed the world. All the hegemonies in this world, all the you know, dysfunctions and destructions are made by human hegemonies, like uh, nationalism, racism, you know, ethnocentrism, you know, sexism, age, whatever. You know, even Christian nationalism, the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is asking people. Pray that God open the door so I can share this mystery of God's grace in Christ with everyone. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, I know you have many you know, important prayer requests for 2023. Prayers for you know, good career, you know, good major, graduate school, boyfriend, you know, good boyfriend, you know, kind girlfriend, you know, or financial stability. What do you pray for? All those prayers are legit and good and important. But let me tell you, the most important prayer is that we participate in evangelism and to share the gospel and mystery of God and invite others to join us. You know, this Christmas was a very good Christmas to me. It's one of the uh, very unforgettable Christmas to me. You know why? Out of blue. The Monday night of a Christmas week, one of my nephews in California called me. And you know this guy, because do you remember last you know, April when I went to Korea to attend my mother's 90th birthday? I asked you to pray for my meeting and conversation with some of my relatives, especially my nephews who kind of uh, not, you know, kind of religious, well, anyway, not, you know, they, are, they, are not, they really need Jesus and they, they need to really receive Jesus. This guy was one of them. And we had a two good conversation. And in that conversation, he said, Uncle Paul, I'm a pastor's son. I grew up in the church, but guess what? When I left the church, I became a more spiritual, more, I mean, I'm freer, and uh, I'm a better person. Church was uh, very stifling me. That's what he said. So I said, Jeremy, you know what? I was a spiritual, I was a religious before I became a Christian. As a Buddhist, I had everything I wanted, and I didn't never want to be a Christian. Christianity was stuffy to me, just as you described. But when I met Christ, I have a joy beyond anything in this world. My life is more confident than ever. I could finally love my own family members. And my sister, which was my nemesis from the birth, I could love her. I never imagined that my sister and I would become a best friend. In Christ, we became a true brothers and sisters. And then, second conversation, I had him. Somehow he tried to leave a Korea, but the, thanks to Korean government and their strange bureaucracy, they had to, he, you know, when he entered, he was a, a COVID positive. So they say you have to be quarantined for seven days, but everything, but they didn't check. So he finished all his business, he's leaving on sixth day, and then, you know, by the time he was uh, a negative. And so airlines said, okay, to, you know, take off. Korean government said, no, you cannot leave. Even though you are positive, but we said you stay here for seven days, so you have to complete the quarantine of seven days. So out of a hotel, he, he came to my, where I am. That night, we had another long talk. 
fast forward. This past week, in the Christmas, he called me. And Uncle Paul, I want you to know that I want to, you know, at the end of the year, I have a, my own personal retreat, and I realize that I cannot live my life my way. Even though business is going well, and I don't have any urgent, you know, Christ, you know, need or anything, but I decide to follow, believe in God, and follow him. This was uh, one of the best Christmas gifts I ever received. Amen? I really pray this year we will really pray for BIP. And don't worry. God is, you know, don't worry about it. You're not converting the people. You're just being kind to the people. You just pray for them. And then God will open the door, and then you speak with the season, with the God's wisdom and kindness. Now, final principle of a faithful and fruitful life is a co-laboring. In the last 11 verses of Colossians chapter 4, 11 individuals were named. You know, next to the last chapter of Romans, the Romans chapter 16, where Paul mentioned the 29 names, this passage mentioned the most names of people in Paul's letters. Ironically, in both churches, Paul never visited when he wrote those letters. And I want us to recognize this section of a personal salutation with the different individuals. It's not actually, you know, some of you find that it's a tedious. Oh, man, it's so hard to pronounce. It actually gives us a great snapshot of a New Testament church. That is, a New Testament church was a community of a servant. And the Paul, Paul's ministry was a never solo act. Paul has a team of uh, servant, servants working together. So we're going to go through these uh, 10 names quickly, and I want you to really see, you know, I really want you to kind of uh, uh, examine your life according to each individual. The first one is Tychicus. Tychicus was what Paul called a trusted assistant. In verse 7 and 8, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending you to you for express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your heart. Tychicus was a native of a province of Asia, and start following Paul from his third missionary journey. And the Paul today gave the highest praise to Tychicus. Threefold, faithful minister, dear brother, and fellow servant in the Lord. And then Paul gave Tychicus a very important task of delivering his letters. And did you know Tychicus delivered three of New Testament books? Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. That's what Tychicus did. How many of you heard the name Tychicus? Probably not. Do you know how many people named their children Tychicus, sons Tychicus? I want you to know God is not impressed with the big name. God is using unsung heroes like Tychicus for their trustworthiness. So how trustworthy are we? The second person is Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. Somehow, after, you know, running away, probably robbing to his master, 
he fled to Rome, and there he was captured and incarcerated. In the prison, he met Paul, and then Paul shared the gospel, and he became changed. And now Paul is sending Onesimus back to his master, Philemon, and uh, ask Philemon to receive this runaway slave as a faithful, beloved brother. And the story of this fugitive Colossian slave is a remarkable evidence and beautiful illustration both the character of Paul and the transforming power of the power and the righteous principles of the gospel. You know, he is going back to his master's house. And back then, master can kill runaway slave. But he is going back because of trusting that God will protect him or at least he's doing the right thing. Like Onesimus, some of us have tried to run away from whatever our undesirable circumstance and past, and I want to tell you. Your fugitive life, whatever spiritual, metaphorical, fugitive life will end only when you and when you receive Christ in your heart. Only with God, your fugitive life ends. Let me move on to third person, Aristarchus. He was a Macedonian from the city of Thessalonica. He's one of the Paul's traveling companions. And did you know, when, according to Acts chapter 19, when Paul was at Ephesus, Aristarchus was arrested with Paul when riot broke out because Paul's preaching was so powerful, and the pagan priest, they were jealous of Paul's you know, popularity. And also Paul's gospel was ruining their pagan you know, religious you know, commercial practice. So with Paul, he was prisoned, imprisoned in Ephesus, and later joined Paul, his voyage to Rome, and today he was suffering with Paul in the same prison. So he was a devoted companion. According to church tradition, he was, Aristarchus was a martyr in the Rome, in the reign of Nero. And some New Testament scholars suspect that he died along with Paul. So once again, how many of you heard of the name Aristarchus before? Most of, us, most of us even can pronounce his name well. But God is not interested in celebrity status. He is interested in true devotion. And then fourth person is a Mark, reconciled the deserter. Mark is a little more familiar to us because actually he wrote the, one of the four Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. You know, Mark was born in Jerusalem, a rich boy. He's born with a silver spoon on his mouth, because his house was large enough that hosted 120 disciples who prayed together for 10 days after Jesus' ascension to heaven until the day of Pentecost. That happens in Mark's house, we call the upper room. So he was a rich boy. He joined his cousin Barnabas and the friend Paul in first missionary journey, and somehow at Pergar in Pamphylia, on, in the first missionary journey, he couldn't do anymore, and he deserted them. Three years later, when Barnabas 
you know, asked Paul to go back to, you know, I mean, Paul and Barnabas, they, they decided to go back to all those churches to encourage them. And Barnabas said, let's take a, you know, mark. And Paul said, no way. That he jeopardized our mission last time. We will not go through that again. And they had a severe, you know, disagreement that they parted away. That's a mark. Mark was a rich boy who was a dropped-out missionary, deserter, and Paul's, you know, definition was a loser. But a few years later, by the time Paul wrote this, look what Paul said. Receive Mark. Welcome him. Mark came back from his failure. And guess what? He wrote the first gospel of the New Testament, Gospel of Mark. This is an incredible story. You know, whenever I remember, whenever I read anything about Bible about Mark, it reminds me, our God is a God of second chances. God who gave a Mark a second chance is now giving a second chance in 2023. Amen? Let's make a second chance really shining and, you know, fruitful. The fifth person is a justice. Justice has a Jewish name, Jesus or Joshua. And uh, once again, this is the only time he was mentioned in Scripture, and the only information we know about him was that he was there for Paul. But again, he is an important model for us today because you don't have to be rich and famous and well-educated and talented to be a comforting friend. What is a comforting friend? Whenever we can be there, when someone needs someone to be there, that is a comforting friend. So justice, he was there when Paul had nobody. And are you kind of friend who can be there when somebody needs you? And, and the sixth person is Epaphras. Epaphras, Paul called it, dear fellow servant and the faithful minister of Christ. And it was Epaphras who established Church of uh, Colossae and also influenced other churches in the area, like the Church of uh, Laodicea and Hierapolis. And Paul today said he was a prayer warrior wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the all the will of God, mature and fully assured. You know what that means? It was through Epaphras' prayers that three churches, the churches in Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis were established. Isn't that amazing? His prayer, you know? So, once again, you don't have to be a talented person to be a prayer warrior. All you need is a prayer and faith and the consistency to God, and God will use your prayer to establish God's kingdom. Amen? And then seventh person is a look. I call it good doctor. And uh, look, became a Christian in the place called the Troas, ancient city of Troy. And then from that point on, Luke followed Paul. And the Luke was the only companion that stayed with Paul until the last moment of Paul's life, according to 2 Timothy. 
And Luke was faithful disciple of Paul that, you know what? He also well-educated person. He's a physician, right? And a scientist. Well, in today's term, is STEM guy, whatever. Smart. You know? And apparently, he's also a great writer. So what did he write? Gospel of Luke and Book of Acts. Combined, that's a more than 50% of the New Testament. Not just the only Gentile writer in the Bible, his writing is actually the largest writing in the New Testament you and I read. Luke is an example of an educated and talented upper-class individual who was willing to give all the worldly prestige for the gospel of Jesus Christ and look where God used him. Yeah. God used him. So, you know, God can use everybody. But if you are trained or educated and whatever, God can use you more. Seriously. Yeah, I don't want to be elitist. But look at the Old Testament and New Testament. The greatest person that God used Old Testament was Moses. I mean, David is separate, but Moses. Because he wrote the five first books of the Bible. He was educated at the palace of Egypt. Paul, the rabbi. The philosopher. So God can use everybody, but that doesn't mean the education doesn't matter. You are well-educated, God can use a talent and education and your professionalism. Number eight is Demas. Demas was a companion and fellow labor of Paul during this time. But later, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we hear something sad about Demas. Paul said, Demas, because his love this world, has deserted me, has gone to Thessalonica. Demas was to Paul what Judas Iscariot was to Jesus. He was a traitor. And they left a deep disappointment to Paul. We don't know why. Why, you know, Demas deserted Paul. Some kind of hardship, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, whatever, temptation with the world, drilled, it, drilled, his, uh, drilled his faith. And I want you to know, in our faith journey, we will always have a demons. Yeah. It's a sad but fact. I've seen a lot of demons in my life. In my own ministry and among my friends, there are some Pastor Demas, who left the ministry in disgrace. And I have church members, even Forrest, left, you know, in the middle of the journey. So Demas are inevitable. And I want you to know, when your friend becomes a Demas, you become very discouraged. You feel like, oh, so hurt. But I want you to know, there is a one Demas and that 10 faithful brothers and sisters. So don't ever think that everyone is like a Demas when you find the Demas in your life. There are other faithful, more brothers and sisters. The question is, when you have a Demas, you just pray to God for them. Leave them to God and seek that God to reach out to them in different ways than you. And the ninth person 
Oh, it's a very getting better. Nympha. Nympha. And Nympha is a hospitable hostess. Paul said, Give my greetings to brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in our house. There is a considerable scholarly debate about the gender of a Nympha. Yes, if you need a New Testament journal, some people argue that he wasn't, she was not, a, I mean, Nympha was not a woman. It was a he. But uh, the co consensus is that they follow that she is a woman, and then they put, so that's why they translated her house not, instead of his house. And for me, Nympha is an epitome of God's love for so-called no-names. This is a great, almost a divine humor. In fact, we are, we are not sure about his gender. But more important is gender. I just say she. Nympha was hospitable. She opened her, her, her house and used her resources to encourage other people. That's what Nympha is. I pray we also become a hospitable you know, hostess. And then pray that we are all willing to open our house and use our resources to welcome each other and even strangers. And we're already doing it. Actually, in the, you know, uh, after early morning, I mean, first Zoom service. Some of the people that are, one thing they're really grateful about Forest is there are so many faithful hosts, you know, hosts and hostesses in Forest. Let me move on to the last one, Echippus. Echippus, Paul said, verse 17, see to it, tell Echippus that, that see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received the Lord. And the Achippus was also mentioned in Paul's letter to Philemon as a fellow soldier. And some people even speculate he was son of uh, Philemon. But one thing for sure is that uh, somehow you know, uh, Achippus was discouraged in his ministry. And Paul has to make the word and send the message to Achippus that complete your ministry no matter what. It's important. That means he was uh, discouraged. And Paul has to take a time to encourage him. Do you know anyone was discouraged in, in their faith or ministry? Will you come alongside with them and encourage them? Let me conclude. When you look, combine all this Paul's community of a servant, what do you see? You know what I see? Forest of a faithful people. I see forest of faithful people. You know, some people wonder why we are named our church forest. We don't want to be church of a few, you know, shining stars or like, a, you know, super talented pastors. You don't have no chance like that. Look at me. Am I uh, anything shining? Not at all. Shining? I'm a rusty. Old and rusty. Yeah. yeah. But I like it. You know why? If I make uh, something successful, people know it's not Paul Kim. It's God behind the Paul Kim. Yes, there's one person say amen. 
and that that person knows me better than anybody. So true. Yeah, so true. You know? And uh, for us, if you look at the, today's uh, Paul's, you know, Paul's companions, look at it. Paul said in Galatians 3, in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, no you know, free or slave, no male and female. We are all in one Christ. Today we see three Jews and seven Gentiles in his community. We see an you know, educated person like uh, you know, Luke and also a slave like uh, Onesimus together. We see Nympha and all the others. Paul's community or missionary band was a community of a servant. That's Paul was actually, his community was embodying the mystery that we just talked about. And the forest, we want to be community of a faithful trees. Amen? I really pray we don't become a, just another church. Even though every church is precious, we don't want to make a church uh, after our own convenience and need. No, we want to make a church after God's word and the God's desires and God's command. Amen? So I want to end my sermon, first sermon of 2023, with reading our mission statement together. All right? Let's all stand and read this statement together. On count three, we have two paragraphs to read. Let's read together. One, two, three. We want to create a spiritual forest of a multicultural, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational missional people in DFW area. Just like a forest exists to provide a shelter, nourishment, and habitat for all types of animals, forest community exists to nourish people in God's way. Meaning, we want to grow God's people in biblical discipleship and fellowship. Similar to deforestation being a serious global environmental problem, the increasing secular values of individualism and consumerism threaten our spiritual life and peaceful existence. We intend to become a healthy forest of individuals whose faith, commitment, and biblical values are interlocked like the roots of a redwood forest. As God's forest in DFW, we want to seek the glory of Jesus Christ, save the lost, strengthen the saved, serve the needy, send the workers for the global harvest. Let's pray together.